Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he says, come over into Macedonia and help us. Here was the call for foreign mission work. Paul was hearing from this man in a vision, you come on over into foreign soil. You come on over into the continent of Europe from the continent of Asia and you help us. Here was the beginning of the great work of world missions. And Luke says, and we concluded from that vision that Paul had, that God was calling us to go to Macedonia, to the continent of Europe, and to preach the gospel there. And therefore, immediately we are told that they set sail, they crossed the Aegean Sea, they crossed to the continent of Europe, to strange soil where they had not been. This was foreign soil. They went up into Macedonia, and they went to the principal city in that province, and that was to the, the city of Philippi, named after Philip of Macedon, who was the father of Alexander the Great. And this city of Philippi was a Roman colony, and here they began work. This was the beginning of foreign mission work. And from the word of God, Paul calls to you and to me this morning as Christians, and he says this, continue to heed the Macedonian call. Continue to obey the Macedonian call to come over again, to go to foreign fields, to continue the work of world missions, continue to heed this call. Don't stop it for a moment. Don't ever let this work in any way come to a halt. But Paul says to you and me, continue to heed that Macedonian call. And you and I may say this morning, you mean to say that we are as Christians still to heed this Macedonian call, the call to foreign missions, the false to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it is brought to foreign soil, that it is brought to all nations, that it is brought to those who have never heard the gospel, that we are to heed this call of Paul and to say we dare never let this thing drop. And maybe you and I may say to ourselves, uh, uh, we find this difficult to accept. We may say that, oh, there, oh, there's sort of a, a brain law that we have. We get hung up on this thing, and we say to ourselves, why? Why should we still continue to heed the Macedonian call to bring the gospel to foreign soil? What good does it do? Did you ever ask yourself that? Did you ever have a mental hang-up and say, what good does it do? And have you ever said this, even though you said it only to yourself, it seems to be a tremendous waste of manpower, and it seems to be a tremendous waste of money power to heed the Macedonian call to bring the gospel to foreign soil. In our own American Lutheran Church, we have about 750 missionaries on foreign soil. That costs money from your benevolence and mine. We may say to ourselves, does it do any good? Well, the answer, Paul, would remind you and me would be this. When that Macedonian, and God put him there, and that vision came to Paul, and he said, come over into Macedonia, don't forget he said, and help us. Come over and bring us some good. Come over and bless us. And therefore, Paul, when he would call to you and me today into the Christian church to say, 
Obey that Macedonian call. Continue to do it and don't ever let up for a moment because Paul would assure us that the preaching of the gospel, the bringing of the gospel to foreign soil, it blesses individuals. It causes them to share in the blessings that you and I on our native soil enjoy. You may say to me this morning, preacher, what are the blessings really now? Are they of any consequence? Does the preaching of the gospel, the bringing of the gospel to foreign soil, does it really do any good? What are the blessings that we enjoy that you may tout so highly and that in heeding the Macedonian call uh, that we share these blessings with them? In the first place, I would remind you that Paul reminds us of this fact uh, that, again, the gospel, it gives those on native soil as well now when we go to foreign soil it brings and bestows the blessing of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We may say to ourselves with a hang-up, oh, mission work, foreign mission work, world mission work is tremendously expensive. What a waste of manpower. What a waste of money power. Have we ever stopped to equate the value of the blessing that the gospel brings, we better stop and say, well, what do you mean by the gospel? Has the gospel lost its joy for you and me? The word gospel comes from two Anglo-Saxon words meaning God's self, God's story. We translate it good news. Has the good news of the gospel gone out for you and me? Or glad tidings. What is the good news of the gospel? Listen to this, that when we were in our sins and lost and damned, that God sent his son into the world and he identified with us as a human being, came born of the Virgin Mary as a human being without sin, and on Calvary's cross, he died for you and me, bore hell and damnation in our stead, and he merited a robe of righteousness for the entire human race. Isn't that the good news? That in him there might be forgiveness, life, and salvation. Isn't that the gospel? We may say, so what, what does it mean? Well, Paul had a very small beginning when the Sabbath day came. This was a Roman colony. There weren't enough Jews in the city of Philippi to have a synagogue. So because he knew that if there were any Jews there, they would gather at a riverside because of some of the, again, the ablutions and the water things that they used in their ceremonies, uh, these four men walked down to the riverside and they found a little group of women. And there Paul preached the gospel and there was one, her name was Lydia, she was the seller of purple fabric, one person, who again, we are told that she was a believer in God. Evidently, she was not a Jewess by birth. She must have been a Gentile who had become a proselyte to Judaism because Jews believed in God. But we are told that she believed in God, and she was from Thyatira. Now, Thyatira is over in the continent of Asia. And here she was, a businesswoman, over in the continent of Europe, meeting at the riverside with a few Jewish women. And they were meeting in prayer. And God opened her heart to the gospel, and she embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. Again, mission work began on again on the foreign soil of Europe, and it started with a woman. It started with Lydia, the seller of purple. And we may say to ourselves, she embraced Jesus Christ we may say, well, what good does it do? Well, this gospel, hasn't it brought you and me forgiveness of sins, deliverance from eternal death, and the gift of eternal life? What does it mean to be saved? Isn't that it? What does it mean to you and to me this morning to know that, again, in Jesus Christ and through our faith in him, that we have the peace of the forgiveness of sins, that all is well between us and God, that at death you and I are not damned, to know that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ? What does it mean? 
Christ, you know, one day said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Rather interesting, you know, Alexander was one, you know, we read in history, who cried because there were no more worlds that he could conquer. And he was the son of the man after whom this city had been founded. Philip of Macedon was the father of Alexander. And Alexander had nearly conquered the world. Why, that little small part that he was conqueror of, just a small little bit of the world. And Jesus says, supposing you conquered the world and you lost your own soul. On that scale, when Jesus one day put everything in the world that is good and an immortal soul, the scale went down. The soul was heavier, wasn't it? And Jesus said, what have you got? To lose our soul. It would be better that we had never been born, as he said of Judas. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. What does it mean? And therefore we say to ourselves, when Paul says, be sure and heed the Macedonian call. Remember this. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it stop. You are to see to it that the gospel reaches not only your native soil, but foreign soil, foreign mission work, world mission work, and we may say, what good does it do? What good does salvation mean to you and me? We are sharing something, aren't we? We ought to then say to ourselves this morning when we see that it brings and it wallops tremendous blessings, have you and I ever heard the Macedonian call personally? Have we ever by ourselves as Christians, have we ever heard the cry of those, the restlessness of those who are without Jesus Christ? Have we ever heard it like again Isaiah of old back in the Old Testament 700 years before Christ when he had a vision of heaven and when God says, Who shall go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord, ascend me. It's rather amazing that in the church there are still those from little on who hear the call and hear the cry of the foreign mission field who again dedicate themselves. This is where they want to serve, to bring the gospel to the world, to all nations. It must be a thrill when you hear missionaries tell about telling the gospel for the first time to an individual. I think of missionary Robert Morrison when he, again, a missionary to China, when he was translating the Bible into Chinese and he came to the passage uh, speaking about us in the resurrection when we shall be like Jesus for we shall see him as he is. And he had a Chinese there to help him put it into the Chinese language. And when this Chinaman heard that, and we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is, the Chinaman said to Dr. Mortison, Oh, my people could never believe that we shall be like Jesus. He said, No, let's put it in the Chinese Bible that we shall kiss his feet. It must be a thrill again to have some, I shall be like Jesus, my Lord, in the resurrection. What a thrill it must be to tell the story. But you and I may say, well, I can't be a foreign missionary on foreign soil. But again, you and I, by our stewardship, by our gifts, how many of us thrill to say, but I'm doing something that somebody in the foreign field who is preaching the gospel, who is heeding the Macedonian call is there because I have a part and a parcel in it. I hope that you and I have the joy, again, in our gifts to say, we are heeding the Macedonian call. But we may say to ourselves with a, with a mental hang-up, oh, what good does it do, after all, if we bring the gospel to foreign soil, this thing of world missions, this thing of foreign missions, uh, bringing the gospel to those who have never heard it? Paul says, remember the Macedonian said, come over and help us, the blessing. You may say to me, preacher, what do you mean by blessing? Paul would remind you me also this, that this gospel brings to those on foreign soil the blessing of the Christian life, even as you and I have it. Do we appreciate what the Christian life means, that we have learned in the Word of God what's right and what's wrong in the sight of God? 
Do we realize that a man without Jesus Christ, a man who has never heard the gospel, doesn't know what is right and doesn't know what is wrong, that God has given us his law, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his cattle, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Did you ever realize what it must mean for an individual? who said, I want to live right, but what is right? We have it, the joy of the Christian life. And then to know that this is the fruit of faith and it gives us the assurance as we look at our lives because these things are the fruit of faith that here is evidence that we are saved, that we have been born again in Jesus Christ. Have we ever realized what that blessing means? And that with that blessing then there also comes this and it comes to the man on foreign soil even as it comes to you and me that it brings us into our Christian life a Christian love for all men. Do we realize what this blessing is? That as Christians, there is such a thing as agapon, this Christian love, that we learn to look at every man as a, again, as a soul precious in the sight of God. He's a soul that Christ died for, and that you and I treat him in this way, that we want him saved, we want him in heaven. Sometimes we forget the byproducts of what it has been in this world because, again, there was foreign mission work. We sit in church this morning and we say to us, well, it's always been like this. Well, has it? Again, you go back to Philippi, what was it? Most of them there, they were the Romans who again had conquered and men were in slavery. If you and I had lived in that time, most men were slaves, bought and sold like cattle. What has happened to slavery? Why? Because of the onslaught of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that a man is precious in the sight of God, and that we stand before the cross of Calvary as equals. Slavery has gone. Oh, there's a lot wrong with this world. We say to ourselves, what about hospitals and old folks' homes and children's homes? What about mercy in the world? Where did it come from? It came because the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached. We think about schools, about the facts, places of learning, colleges and seminaries. Where did these institutions come from? They come, came from the spread of the gospel, and they still come again from the church. Look in the state of Ohio, the number of colleges we have that, again, came out of the church. You women, your status. You realize there was a time in the world when you weren't worth as much as any cattle. You weren't even given the recognition of being a human being. How does it come that you stand in the status of womanhood as a human being again created in the image of God also and saved in the blood of Jesus? It's because of the advent of Christianity. Democracy, there may be a lot wrong with it, but it's still the greatest nation under heaven. We say to ourselves, power in the hands of the people that every man is precious in this nation. Where did it come from? These are the byproducts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you look in the World Almanac, let's know this, that there are listed about 900 million Christians in the world. May I say 900 million Christians who bear that name, evidently they must see something worthwhile in the blessings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next in line with just a little over 400 million Islam in the Mohammedan world. And then again the Hindus a little over 300 million. But bear in mind nearly 900 million Christians who are saying, we have, again, the pearl of great price. These are the blessings we have. When Paul says, uh, be sure and continue to heed the Macedonian call to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to foreign land, to foreign field, let's bear this in mind. The reason he does it, because it's to hell. It brings blessings that you and I enjoy. And if you and I believed it, then whether we're on native soil or on foreign soil, we would manifest Christian love to our fellow men and so treat them 
little realizing that maybe the day will come when we will need some Christian love ourselves. I think of Ignace Paderewski. You all know him as a great pianist. It was my privilege to have heard him in Memorial Hall in Columbus in my student days. He came from Poland. He was a Christian man. He came to this continent of North America, which was, again, foreign soil to him. In one of his concert tours, there was a young student out in Palo Alto, California. His name was Herbert Hoover. He went to... Leland Stanford University, he was a poor boy, and he decided to have a concert series there, hoping to be able to make some money to keep himself in school. And he had signed up the great Paderewski to give a piano concert, and the concert came and the crowd was very small, and it ended up with Herbert Hoover being hundreds of dollars short in paying the great Paderewski. And he went to him and he said, I'm sorry, Mr. Paderewski, but again, there wasn't enough money. I owe you so many hundred dollars, and I will do all to pay. And Paderewski, again, the Christian, he said, let me have the contact. And he tore it in bits, and he said to this young Herbert Hoover, it's paid, you forget about it. But you see, the world, you know, this is a long road, isn't it? And then there came the Great Depression, and Paderewski was the president of ancient Poland, his ancient city. And Poland came in once. And Herbert Hoover became president of the United States. And there was a man that had shown him love at one time when he needed help. And here was the nation of Poland. Is it any wonder that Herbert Hoover went out of his way and we fed Poland? Why? Little did Paderewski realize that the day would come when he had shown Christian love that he would need it. And in your life and mine, whether we are on native soil or on foreign soil, little do we realize how, again, this thing may come back. Oh, to say to ourselves, Christian love, this is it. Again, Paul went to foreign soil to preach the Macedonian call to give help. If we can only realize it's some good. We are blessing individuals. We say to ourselves with a hang-up, oh, it's so dreadfully expensive and it takes such manpower. Is it worth it? But God, when he had the Macedonian call, he said, come and help us. Come and bless us. Come and bring us good things that you have. And Paul would remind you and me that this gospel, it still brings this blessing that when the gospel has been preached to all nations, Christ is going to come again, even as you and I have that blessed assurance. You know, when Jesus was here on earth one day, he said this, and this gospel, this good news of the kingdom, he said, it shall be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations. And then he said, and then shall the end come. Then I'm coming back. You may say, what kind of a blessing is that? Did uh, Lydia, the seller of purple, appreciate the blessing that she had? Why, she manifested immediately by saying to those four men, if I'm worthy and if you think my faith is genuine, you may use my home. And she extended hospitality. There was something to do. Does again, does the promise that when the gospel is preached and that Christ is coming back, is, is that a great blessing? You and I find in this world there are a lot of wrongs that are never righted in this world, isn't that so? There are a lot of things that are done, oh, man's inhumanity, the man we say to ourselves, oh, God, where is justice? But Jesus says, when the gospel has penetrated, and it has been preached to all nations, Evidently, it has not penetrated as deeply as Christ wants it to do because he says, when it has, I'm coming. The only thing that's holding up, the second coming of Christ, 
is again this preaching of the gospel, this heeding of the Macedonian call. And to me, it's a tremendous thing that there is now being organized in world Christianity a great onslaught, a great push in evangelism. We want to get it over with. Let's all get together and let's go out and preach the gospel that every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth shall hear it some way or other, by radio or shall hear it by television or by mouth. Let's get the job done. This is a tremendous challenge in, again, the Macedonian call. Christ is coming again. He is going to judge the world. He is going to avenge. He will be the judge and every wrong will be righted. That's a blessing of comfort, isn't it? And this is what, again, those on foreign soil need and the assurance that when he comes uh, that he will again restore paradise, it will be regained, and it will more than compensate for anything, the worst that has ever come into your life and mine. This is the good news. These are the blessings of the gospel. He's coming back in a new heaven and a new earth where indwelleth righteousness, your body and mine raised from the dead, that again we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, reunited with our loved ones in the eternal kingdom of God, where I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. This is the blessing. And when Paul had the Macedonian call, come on from Asia and come on over into Europe, come on on foreign soil, and they, they went right away because they had some good news. These people needed help, and Paul brought it. Oh, to God that we could see a vision, that we would uh, get rid of the hang-ups that sometimes we have and say, what good does it do? Uh, we need it here at home. Oh, what a waste of manpower. Oh, what a waste of money power. That you and I, whether we're on native soil or on foreign soil, we would just take the time to say a good word for Jesus Christ. You may say, what about Lydia? Well, we don't know much about her. She probably was a widow, probably carrying on her husband's business. She had a family. They were all baptized. They'd all received Jesus Christ. She was from Thyatira, and yet if you look in the book of Revelation, you find that there is a letter sent to the church of Thyatira. That was over in Asia. And tradition says that Lydia, who was on the continent of Europe, when she went back home to Thyatira, that she had preached this gospel and bore witness of Christ, and that a congregation grew in Thyatira, and that Lydia was the one, the seller of purple, who had organized this church and planted the gospel over in Asia Minor in the city of Thyatira. Oh, just to preach it. When David Livingston was in Africa, you know, he was lost. And the church at home wondered where he was, and Stanley was told to go find him. Stanley wasn't a Christian man. Stanley went to Africa to find David Livingston, and he found him. Stanley says when he found him and he heard the gospel from David Livingston's lips and saw it in love, Stanley said it was more than I could stand. He embraced Jesus Christ. What a joy we will have someday if we just speak a word and know the joy again that someday somebody in heaven will say, as Stanley will say to Livingston, if it wasn't for you, David Livingston, I wouldn't be in heaven. You know of any greater joy than to have somebody say it wasn't for you? Maybe I would have missed it. Do we realize the influence of a, of a word? I read a very stirring story that occurred over in Indianapolis, Indiana, about a... Oh, one of these odd individuals in a community in Indianapolis 
Nearly every community has one like that. He went from door to door selling notions. He sold potholders and fly swatters and uh, shoestrings and things like that. A little odd type of a person. He lived alone. So many times a year he covered the territory and tried to sell. He was a Christian man and in his own way he expressed it in love and a kind word for Jesus. And in the account, women, they got tired of seeing him come. And some women confessed that when they saw him at the door, uh, they just didn't answer. And then their consciences would bother them. And the next time he came around, they would probably buy a lot of things that they didn't need. But this was that little odd man in Indianapolis in the end. Then one day, nobody knew it. The Indianapolis paper carried an account of his death and said, because there are no living survivors, there will be a grave service at such and such a time in the morning at one of the Indianapolis cemeteries. So there was to be no service because who would come? Well, this notice was read. And rather strange, no one said anything. But the consciences of individuals who knew this little odd man, this quiet Christian individual, the children kind of loved him. Nobody said anything, but it came home to individuals who read that obituary notice. Wouldn't it be terrible if there'd be nobody at the grave tomorrow morning for that man's service? And so on that morning, we are told that some of the women who gathered for their coffee clutches at various homes, uh, they didn't stand, but they called, I won't be there today. I, I've got something I've got to do. Wives said that some of their husbands came down and were dressed in a little better attire. When they said something to them, the husband said, I I've got a little business I've got to attend to today, and so I'm going to do that. Uh, husbands who were traveling, salesmen who normally left town early, uh, somehow or other said to their wives, I've got something to take care of this morning, and then I'm going to leave town. And uh, no one said anything. But there came time that morning for the grave service of this little odd man who had rung doorbells and who had sold notions. And we're told that about the time of the grave service that there was a slow trek of people and women were coming. They just didn't want it ever said that for the man that sold notions that there'd be nobody, that nobody cared to be at his grave. And then we're told that automobiles started to come. And a reporter on the large Indianapolis paper read about it and had met this little odd man. And he thought, oh, it would be tragic if nobody would be at the grave. I'm going out. So he came too. And lo and behold, there was a traffic jam in that cemetery. Over a thousand people, no one had said anything, came. They stood at the grave of a little old odd man who, who just had a good word for Jesus Christ and some had closed the door on him. Oh, what an opportunity some minister had. Here was a man in his own little way. Little could he realize, but how many times have you ever seen a thousand people at a barrier? I've never seen it. Not for the greatest, have you? Though again, who knows? the influence of a little word 
Have you ever heard the Macedonian call? Did you ever listen when you walked the glory road? It goes something like this. Come over and help us, oh soldiers of light. Did you ever hear it? Come into the region of sorrow and night. Did you ever hear it? Oh, the voices of millions. Yes, the voices of millions imploringly cry, Come over and help us. Oh, help, or we die. Hear ye the pleadings of perishing men, living in horror, exceeding our king. Listen, do you listen? As they call us again and again, Come over, come over and help us. Did you ever hear the Macedonian call? Oh, when you and I hear it, God says, don't forget it. Don't let the church forget it. Don't let it die. Jesus says, come over. Come on and help. Come on and bless. Tell the story. It will surprise you what a good word about Jesus will do. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unites your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.